is a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. And when I look at the space between what I used to be and this reckoning, I know I'll never be alone. There's another in the fire. Standing next to me, there was another in the waters, holding back the seas. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. There is another in the fire.
Thank you. 
yes, Lord, that is our aim today. That is our goal as we gather together. Lord, thank you that you ordained from the beginning that Christians would gather for the purpose of worship. Lord, we worship you today. For the purpose of being a witness to the world, how awesome, how mighty, how wonderful you are. Lord, thank you that you've put us here also to do good works and to be about your business as we uh, just desire every day just to be filled by you, to love you, to serve you. And so, Lord, we, we give you our lives afresh. Lord, thank you for meeting us here today where we are gathered together in your name. Your word tells us that you are here. You are with us in our midst, and we welcome you. We look to you for everything. We submit to you and we bless you in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen, amen, amen. So go ahead and have a seat. That would be wonderful. So just a little bit of background information. Pastor Steve and his family, they they try to take an annual trip to Bass Lake, and so they are gone for about a week. So pray for Steve Henry and his, his clan they couldn't go last year. Can you imagine why they couldn't go last year? <laughs> reason none of us could go anywhere last year. Uh, so anyway, my name is Ron. I get to share with you today. So I want to welcome all of you in the sanctuary and also in the loft and in the patio and online. It's uh, an amazing thing that we can r- really touch the world uh, with the message of the gospel through technology, you know, and it's kind of an amazing thing. So as we begin this morning, as you know, uh, yesterday was the 20th anniversary of the events of 9-11, the terror attacks of 9-11. Being on the West Coast, not on the East Coast where it all took place, it, it's easy to be kind of disconnected. Uh, but just know this, 2,977 people lost their lives on that day 20 years ago on 9-11. Um, what I've done this past week, just as a way of, I I love history, but I want to know, I want to know what happened more fully, be reminded about what happened 20 years ago on 9-11. And so I watched a documentary, it was done by National Geographic, and it's, I think, six episodes where they take you through day one. So it's just prior to, you know, the, the first uh, Northern Tower getting hit by by the airline, and then and then it all unfolded from there. Um, it, I think it's important to to approach our lives and our world through a, a good sense of of history, of who we are, uh, and not only 20 years ago, but certainly prior to that. And when we experience something like that, it becomes part of our lives. It's etched in our our mind. Can you remember where you, you were on 9-11, 2001? Uh, probably almost all of us can remember where we were. Uh, but out of that documentary, the documentary that I watched, uh, National Geographic, it gave me such an overwhelming sense of appreciation for first responders, uh, especially firefighters, and mainly because as everyone is pouring out of the buildings, they're rushing into the buildings to rescue people, to bring people to safety, and not only the firemen, but also the medics and the police, you know, anyone that is a first responder. And it was so amazing to me to see uh, their 
commitment to rescue people's lives in the, even in the midst of uh, the potential of their own loss of life. But the, the camaraderie between them, between the firefighters, I, I ne- I've never known that. The, o- the only thing I can even compare it to, maybe, maybe the camaraderie that we share as believers in Christ in a moment of crisis. And so I'll tell you very quickly where I was on that day 20 years ago. Uh, DJ and I we were actually, as it turned out, we had spent a few months preparing for a fundraising event for Lifeline Crisis Pregnancy Center. And it was a fundraising event that we did for many years. It was a golf marathon. And so uh, we were putting on this event, and it, it landed on 9-11. And so we're all there at Dairy Creek Golf Course up by Cuesta College on Highway 1. And we got there really early, about 5.30 in the morning, because we had to get things set. And we're going to have maybe 30, 40, 50 people there, the golfers, and you know, raising money for Lifeline and all the volunteers. And so we're in the cafe area getting all the tables set up. And the TV was on in this cafe area. And uh, a little after 6 a.m., we heard some commotion, and we walked in there, and we see the Northern Tower on fire. And, of course, nobody really knew what was happening at that moment. Um, And so we're sort of in awe, a shock and awe, I guess, of of what was going on. And then shortly after, we see the plane going into the South Tower. And now this sense of soberness come came upon us. And so as we're um, thinking about what to do that day, do we cancel our event? Do we um, do, how do you do business as usual knowing that on the East Coast, 3,000 miles away, is this trauma, this tragedy that's unfolding that we, you know, we cannot comprehend. We weren't there. I wasn't there. And so, what we decided to do, we gathered together for breakfast and to pray, so we prayed, and we decided we're going we're gonna to go ahead and, and have our event, and we felt that in light of what was going on, that raising money, raising funds to help save babies' lives was important. But the, the strange thing about that day, uh, there was roughly, again, 30 or 40 golfers, so we go out on the golf course, we're all on a different, we all start on a different hole, we pair up, but it was this surreal feeling of we're playing golf beautiful sunny day at Dairy Creek knowing the 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 suffering that was happening um, in New York City and also at the Pentagon and also with Flight 93 and and one of the people in this documentary pointed out you know the the terror attack was to bring about two things it was to bring about an undermining of our freedom in America. And secondly, it was to establish a sense of fear among the people of America. To undermine our freedom and to bring a sense of fear, to have us live in fear. So fast forward 20 years, I I think we're still dealing with that. Feeling like we've lost some of our freedoms. Literally, we have. And many people, not only from that tragedy, that terror event, but also what we're experiencing now. And so what I want to talk about this morning, in a moment, let's pray. Lord, we cannot fully understand the events that take place in human history. We can't fully understand what the people there 
experienced, uh, what the first responders experienced, and that they carried that with them after 9-11 and how it impacted them. And then with the events in Iraq and Afghanistan, and, and, and Lord, it's, it's almost too much for our, us to handle. But Lord, we look to you. You're the one that makes sense out of things that don't make sense. You're the one that brings uh, a sense of peace where otherwise there would be no peace. And so, Lord, as we think about, uh, even now, the people that are 20 years later are still suffering, Lord, that you would give them peace, give them rest, Lord. And, And, Father, bless our first responders today. Lord, thank you that there are men and women, even in our midst, that they're trained to go towards the danger to protect lives and save people. Lord, bless them. We thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to look at today is we're going to be continuing where Pastor Steve left off. So what we typically do at Harvest Church is we go through books of the Bible. And we finish one, we go, you know, go into the next one. So we've been going through the book of Titus. So if you want to turn to the book of Titus, uh, we are in Titus chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. Now, the way this typically works, so I knew that I was going to be speaking today about a month ago, and uh, I, I wasn't sure where Steve was going to end off, but a few weeks ago, he was, his plan was to go through chapter 2 uh, in one Sunday, but that didn't happen, and so he finished it last week, and so I'm looking ahead, I'm thinking, well, I'm going to be in Philemon, which is the book right after Titus. So I realized, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be in Titus chapter 3, and I read verse 1, and I call Steve. Hey, Steve, get your Bible out. Have you read Titus chapter 3, verse 1? So he reads it. I'm like, that is not fair. Be- and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why it's not fair in just a minute, okay? And, but that's just the way it goes. And the beauty of teaching through books of the Bible is you have to hit everything. You can't, you can't say, well, I'm, not, I'm uncomfortable with that, or I don't understand that, or be best to, you know, that's going to, make people upset or whatever. You can't do that. <laughs> and it's a blessing. It's God's word. It's all, it's all good for us. So in the letter, this is a letter that Paul wrote to Titus. So Paul was an apostle. We know that everywhere he went, he's planting churches. So he spends some time on this island of Crete. It's a very big island. There's lots of, of cities there, major cities. And so he's ready to leave. And he has left at this point, And he appointed some people to be in charge of the churches that he had planted. Well, one of them is this young man named Titus. So he's telling Titus, I, I, need, you, I need you to do a, a few things there to establish these churches, to help them grow, to become vibrant communities of believers. And so just by way of review, I'm looking at Titus chapter 1, verse 5. The scriptures will be up for you as well. So he says this uh, to Titus. He says, for this reason, this is why I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking. So there's still some things that need to be done there. And I want you to appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So church leadership is super important, overseeing the work that God was doing. And so Titus was responsible to help establish leadership in these churches uh, that were planted. And then, and then he continues in this letter. He says to Titus, Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he says, But as for you, so now he's speaking directly to Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Titus, I want you to focus on doctrine, teaching, establishing 
a solid, firm foundation for these believers. He's talking about teaching the Bible. Now, they didn't have the New Testament in that day, so it was, it was the New Testament. I'm sorry. They didn't have the New Testament in that day. They, did have, they had the Old Testament scriptures. Did I get that right? Second time? Okay. So they had the Old, Old Testament books of the Bible. And that was sufficient because the Holy Spirit was speaking life into the words from the Old Testament and illuminating them to show how they transition and fit and establish what would become the New Testament. And sound teaching, sound doctrine is super important. And then he continues in chapter 2, verse 11, he says, For the grace of God, so now he's going to talk about a, a bigger picture thing. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So now he's talking really, I think, to the, to, to the believers there through Titus. Believers, followers of Jesus, he says, you've received salvation through the grace, uh, but it teaches us something. And it taught them something specific 2,000 years ago, roughly, and it's speaking the same, the same thing to us today. What did he say? It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we are to live soberly. That is, we are to be clear-minded, clear-thinking. We, um, we understand who we are in Christ. We are educated in the Word of God in the Scriptures. Uh, we are wise. We are discerning. Um, we understand what's going on in their world. They understood what was going on. And in our world, we understand what's going on. And he also said, I want you to live righteously and godly in the present age. So we're going to fast forward because now we're, we're taking that what Paul wrote to Titus. He's saying this applies today. Believers, we need to be thinking about this and applying this in our life as well, living soberly. Righteously, the righteousness of God in Christ, not our righteousness, of course, and godly in our, in our present age. And then he sort of concludes that. Again, this is all just for intro. Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. You know, why should we be doing all these things? Well, he tells us here, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get caught up in the muddle of, of just life and, you know, Christian life and day-to-day life. And, and yet he, he wants us to keep in focus something that is promised to us that will happen. And he says, what is it? It's the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us, set us free from every lawless deed and purify for himself, his own special people who are zealous for good works. So, again, one of the things I want us to take away from this, this morning is that we have purpose in the world in which we live today. Like in, in a King James version of that same verse, you know, New King James says a special people. King James says a peculiar people. And I contest, you a peculiar bunch of people. Okay, but if you think about it, we don't fit in. You know, we don't, uh, we kind of go against the flow of the world, against the stream. We resist some of the worldly things that, that are being 
uh, indoctrinated into the world system today. And, and part of the teaching is we don't have to accept all the things the world is, is, is telling us we have to comply to these things. We're different. We're set apart. We're special. We're peculiar. But one of the things that we, all, we are all zealous for is good works. We're going to talk about that. You may remember there was a song. I think it was done by Crystal Lewis. It was either the 80s or 90s. But the, the, the sermon title for today is, is the title of her song. The song title is People Get Ready. Jesus is coming. People get ready. Jesus is coming. It's inevitable. It is a fact. It is a prophecy that will be fulfilled perhaps in our lifetime. We don't know. So now we're jumping into Titus chapter 3. So there's four words that we're going to look at this morning. The first two are things that that, um, we're being encouraged to do. And the last two are things we're encouraged to be to be aware of. So the, the first one is remind. We need to be reminded of some things and, and also affirm. The other, the, another word is affirm. Affirm some things in our Christian life. And then the other words are avoid. Certain things we need to avoid and other things we need to reject. Now, if things are consistent in second service as they were with first service, I'm probably not going to get to the things that you need to resist and avoid. So you're probably going to have to study that on, the, on your own. Sorry about that. Um, all right, so look with me now. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> Paul is talking to, Timothy, to Titus. Sorry, Paul's talking to Titus. He says, remind them, remind the believers to be subject to rulers and authorities and to obey and to be ready for every good work. All right, so... Part of the reason that Paul wanted Titus to be reminded or to remind the believers about these things is because Crete, the people of Crete, they had a long-standing reputation of being very corrupt. It was a corrupt society, a corrupt culture, corrupt leadership even. It was part of their culture, but their culture needed to change. You see, wherever the gospel goes, we're not looking to westernize people. We're not looking to bring democracy to people. We're looking to transform their life and their culture, which is going to set them free. And so uh, Paul is reminding Titus, this is what it's all about. They were a corrupt society that needed to be transformed. So once again, he says, remind believers to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work. So Paul talked about the same thing in in other letters that he wrote, which I want to unpack just a little bit. The scriptures will be up on the screen for you. Romans chapter 13, beginning with verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. It's kind of a sober thought, isn't it? Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will be, bring judgment on themselves. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. So here we have a little bit of a breakdown now of what leadership is supposed to look like. Even civil leadership, we're not even talking about godly leadership. Civil leaders in a civil society, it says here, rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise for the same. For he, he's talking about whoever's in authority, for he is 
God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. So what thing are they continually, this very thing, attending, attending to? What thing are they attending to continually? And again, it's, for he is God's minister to you for good. Render, therefore, to all their due, tax, their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, custom to whom customs, and fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. So the, the premise here is that leadership is intended to give a foundation for a civil society, and it rewards good people, and it uh, has consequences for evil. All right. And he brings in there, he says, and also I want you to do this for conscience sake. You see, um, I've found in my life, when I violate the laws, pick a law. When I violate a law, my conscience says, red light, alarm, what are you doing? Stop. Because I, it's like we have this intuitive understanding that, okay, this, this is the law. And as a, as a good citizen, or we would say as a godly Christian person, we obey the law. We want to do what's good. Peter also talked about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. He says this, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him, by the king, for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. We see the same thing Peter's talking about. Encouraging good behavior, punishing evildoers. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. And then he concludes with this. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, Fear God and honor the king. So there's a a bit of a a hierarchy there, and and both Paul and Peter talked about, hey, the authorities that exist, God ordained these authorities for a certain purpose. But then he says, you know, honor people, love the brotherhood. I think he's talking about the community of believers. Fear God and honor the king. So what is our... What is our priorities in all this? And again, I'm kind of unpacking this to answer that question of Titus chapter 3 and, and look at it maybe in a more relevant way that you and I are facing right now. So remember Jesus, uh, he was confronted by a religious ruler. And, you know, the religious ruler said, hey, what, you know, what's the most important commandment of all? Which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So Jesus re- replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So Jesus is affirming that same thing. 
Number one, love the Lord your God. Everything flows from that with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is impossible to love our neighbors as ourselves without first loving God and honoring Him. So back to what Peter said. Honor people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. And so if we want to prioritize all those things, fearing God is on the top. Loving the Lord with our heart, soul, mind, and strength is on the top. Everything flows from that. So based on that verse I read a moment ago, 1 Timothy 3, remind them to be subject to, sorry, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work. First question of the day. Is it ever appropriate to disobey those who are in positions of authority? Is it ever appropriate to disobey those who are in positions of authority? So the answer is yes. Okay, when is it appropriate to disobey? When... By submitting to and obeying those who are in authority, we are actually disobeying God. The Bible has a number of examples for us of this very thing. Uh, I'm not going to have the scriptures up. I'm just going to read them to you. And the first one is in the book of Exodus chapter 1. You guys know the story. So Pharaoh's the king of Egypt. He's like the dictator of all. He gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, and it names the midwives... Shipra and Pua. This is what he said. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. So again, the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, has made this decree to these midwives. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's order. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not, this is their response. The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. So not only did they defy Pharaoh's decree to kill the boys, they actually lied about it too. What was the response? So God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. He blessed them as a result of the fact that they refused to obey the command of Pharaoh. Another example, you guys know this one well. This is in the book of Daniel chapter 3. And it's when Nebuchadnezzar had made this golden statue that I think was about 90 feet tall. And the command was given that everybody needs to worship this statue he had created. All the officials came and stood before the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. And anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. You know the story. There were three Hebrew young men who, who basically said, we're, 
We're not doing that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar. So they're speaking to the utmost authority in the land of Babylon at the time. They said, We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. (laughs) But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. And you know the rest of the story. Similar situation. Now we're in uh, the book of Acts where the disciples... The apostles, they're going all over, predominantly in Jerusalem at the time, and they're declaring what had occurred, that Jesus had been crucified, that he'd been put in a tomb, and that he had risen from the dead. And they also blamed the religious authorities that they were the ones that actually put Jesus to death. So they brought the, the religious leaders brought the apostles before the high council where the high priest confronted them. <clears throat> Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? He demanded. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about him, and you want to make us responsible for his death. But Peter and the apostles replied, We must obey God rather than man, or rather than any human authority. I want to say that again. Peter said, We must obey God rather than any human authority. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. Question once again, is it ever appropriate to disobey those who are in authority? The answer is yes. When is it appropriate? When by submitting to and obeying those who are in authority, we're actually disobeying God. And why is this? Well, because we ought to obey God rather than any human authority. All right. Remember the verse I read earlier. It was Titus chapter 2. It says that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. So let's fast forward now. Now we're talking about real life. We're talking about the things that you and I face, decisions we make, uh, things that we're being told to do, um, restrictions that are being placed upon us, mandates that are being put upon us, and we have to make a decision. And I want to say, I'm not going to tell you today what your decision should be. I only know what my decision is. And what I have discovered in my life personally, something about my personality, my character, which I didn't really fully understand before, is that the more I'm being told what I must do, you must comply to this, you must, this is a mandate upon you, I find what I do is I just dig my heels in all the more. And and I'm not trying to be obstinate about it or rebellious about it, but in my spirit, in my conscience, I'm sensing God does not want me to do this. And at some point... I think it is our responsibility to push back. Maybe not about everything, and, and I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But what I have here in my hand right now 
It's a document, and it's titled, Order Number 6 of the County Health Officer Requiring Face Coverings in All Public Indoor Settings Attributable to the Rise in SARS-CoV-2 Delta Variant. So this was put in place September 1st. Uh, what? What's today? The 12th. So 12 days ago. So I'm going to read one paragraph. This order directs that face coverings shall be worn regardless of vaccination status over the mouth and nose in all indoor public settings, venues, gatherings, and workplaces, such as but not limited to offices, retail stores, restaurants and bars, fitness centers, theaters, museums, personal care services, family entertainment centers, conference centers, and government offices serving the public. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you two things. I'm going to give you my personal opinion on some things, and I'm going to give you also the position that Harvest Church, the leaders of Harvest Church have taken concerning some of these things. And uh, so I'm going to give you, first of all, my personal opinion. Um, Let me backtrack. So at Harvest Church, what we typically do uh, is the elders gather together. The elders of Harvest Church are Steve Henry, Jim Erickson, Neil O'Hagan, um, Gary Tucker, and myself. We take these things very, very seriously. So we, not just this, but we, we gather together. There's a decision that needs to be made, something that needs to, you know, it's impacting our church. And we pray and we, we, we communicate it, about it. And we, we attempt to always be unanimous in our decisions about what's best for Harvest Church. And just please know that whatever decision we come up with, it's something that we feel that God is having us do, a direction to take, a decision that's made for the benefit of the church. Now, things may happen, and and I'm I'm sure in any church things happen where we might not understand or we might not agree, or why are they doing that? And I don't think they should do that, whatever. And that's totally fine. If you ever have a question about anything that we, decision we make, but feel free, come come and talk to us about it. But, but more importantly, please be in prayer for, for the elders of Harvest Church because it's a, we have a big responsibility. We're responsible for God's people. And, and we want our church to have a solid foundation. And we want uh, all of us to grow and, and just be confident that as a, as a body of believers, we're, we're on the right track. So personally, back to the mask mandate. All right. Personally, I don't have a problem wearing a mask. Uh, if a business establishment requires me to wear a mask, I will gladly wear a mask. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, at Harvest Church, so now we're talking about our church in particular, we've chosen to leave the decision up to you. So the decision is up to you, whatever you feel is best for you. So I want to go backtrack just a little bit. Remember, it was, I believe, April and May of 2020, where we were told, in fact, I think all businesses, all churches, we are, we are told you must shut down. And everything came to a screeching halt. You guys remember that? And we complied. We stopped having church. We did everything online. We didn't gather. Our, our space was utterly empty. And so for a couple of months, we agreed to do that. But then we, we began to sense that God was wanting us to do something different, and so we began to meet again. Now, 
we, we removed a bunch of chairs. Um, we set up a big outdoor venue. We encouraged people to sit outside, you know, wear a mask if you want to, have some distance between you. So back to if you'd like to wear a mask in any of our venues, we encourage you to do so, and that is perfectly fine. Um, in fact, uh, backtrack just a little bit. When we were doing church outside exclusively, I think we did it for like about three months, four months. I remember. I thought it was super fun, mainly because we live on the central coast of California where you can pretty much have outdoor church all the time, you know. Uh, so I have fond memories of that. But at Harvest Church, our leaders have chosen not to mandate the wearing of masks in our worship venues. We leave that decision up to you. See, all along our default has been, uh, how about if we let individual people, individual families decide what they're comfortable with, what is safe for you, safe for your family and those around you. Uh, So in that regard, we are pro-choice. We're pro-choice. It's up to you. Uh, We are supporting a Christian's right to choose. So now back to my opinion. In my opinion, it's really not about the mask mandate that concerns me. Um, Perhaps you heard our president last Thursday. He is putting in place, I'm just reading from my notes here, he's putting in place vaccine mandates not only for all federal workers and contractors, but also for all businesses with 100 or more employees. And again, to be clear, in my opinion, I don't necessarily have a problem with the vaccines. I do have a problem with our government potentially forcing us to get them. And by the way, by definition, they're not actually a vaccine. They are, in fact, gene therapy, which is a new technology, never been used before, a new technology that has no long-term data to determine its safety. In fact, a person who is fully recovered after having COVID has a superior immunity against the virus and all the variants compared to those who have been fully vaccinated. Again, that was my opinion. So ultimately, what I personally have a hard time with is the sense that we are being manipulated. We are being lied to about many things. I have the feeling that we're being set up. And in my opinion, our leaders seem to be sowing and fueling division and discord within our country. Um. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. There's the thing. It's called the Nuremberg Code. The Nuremberg Code was established prior at the end of World War II when they were uh, holding those accountable for the atrocities of the, uh, the Nazis, the Germans. And one of the things that was being done during World War II is the Nazis were doing experiments, medical experiments on Jewish people and, and others without their consent. So the Nuremberg Code, which was established um, and voted on by the international community, this is an international treaty. In the Nuremberg Code, it is said that you cannot, no nation can coerce or force its citizens to take medical procedures that they, that they do not want to receive. 
So it's international law, and it's in violation of our own laws as well. So it seems to me that our leaders are sowing and fueling division and discord within our country. Do you remember what Jesus said about this in Luke chapter 11? He said this, Every kingdom, every nation divided against itself is brought to desolation. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Do you remember the, the two things that the terrorists, uh, those who committed the terrorist attacks on 9-11, they, what they wanted to do is they wanted to undermine our freedom and they wanted to keep us in fear. I see that same thing continuing and, and maybe even being more impactful now in our day. Now, now to be clear, I, I'm not ignorant of the seriousness of COVID. In fact, um, about two weeks ago, one of our dear friends died from COVID. And he, he's 58 years old, relative, healthy guy. Um, so I'm not in any way saying that this isn't a serious health issue that we need to be dealing with and, and praying about and, and ask God how we, we should approach it. But again, the sense is that we're being manipulated and lied to. My opinion is that as much as we would all like things to get back to normal, things are never going to get back to normal. Things are quickly moving in the direction of what the prophets foretold in the Bible. One world leader, one world government, a cashless global economy that is controlled in such a way so that a person cannot buy or sell without receiving a special mark on their right hand or on their forehead. Back to Titus 3.1. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey. But here's the thing I really want to focus on this morning. To be ready for every good work. To be ready for every good work. So as Christian men and women, we are all about being a godly and a good influence in our community and, the, and in the world. We're all about being ready for every good work. So I trust God will give us the wisdom, the discernment, the ability to make these decisions as, as we uh, need to make them. But we're all called in whatever area of life you live, whatever sphere of impact you have, to be ready for every good work. In fact, actually, I would say this. You, you were born for this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You're born for this. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Perhaps we are here today for such a time as this. When I would pray, we would pray that people's hearts would begin to be opened up to the gospel message, maybe such as never has happened before. Jesus talked about, you know, the fields, they're, they're ready for the harvest. He said, but you need to pray for labors to go out into the harvest and, and to bring them in. Jesus is returning. 
that, that is a for certain thing. We don't know when. But until he comes back again, I think our priority should be bringing the gospel, taking the gospel to as many people as possible in our world and bringing them to Jesus, who will give them that sense of living a life without fear, um, living in the freedom and the liberty wherein Christ has set us free. Finally, this is the last scripture I want to present to us today. And this is from Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Jesus said this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in he- that is in heaven. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would uh, instill in us, Lord, a sense, not of fear, but a sense of victory. Lord, I pray that as there is this, I don't know if I'd call it a conspiracy, but this movement uh, to undermine our freedom in America, undermine our liberties. Lord, I pray that you would help us understand that if any man is in Christ, that we are free. Our freedom comes from you. And Lord, I also pray that as we are confronted with all the decisions, the mandates, the challenges, the forcings upon us that comes our way, Lord, help us to Make the decision that is in obedience to you. Where we need to comply, help us to comply. Where we need to disobey, help us to do that uh, with humility. And Lord, I know many of us in our workplaces, we're being mandated to do these things. And it's a difficult decision about either complying or, or losing our job. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, come to the conclusion that obedience to you is far superior than a job, that you will provide for us no matter what happens, no matter what threats uh, might come our way. Lord, because we belong to you. So, uh, Lord, we just look to you for everything. Build us up in our most holy faith. Give us in this day discernment like no other. And we bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We're going to continue to worship this morning.
I'd like to invite the prayer team up. I think now's a good time. And then uh, if anybody would like to respond and just receive some prayer, we're going to have, we're just going to have them up here during the last song. setting us free. Thank you that like true freedom from, from sin and death only comes through Jesus. And we have it right here, Lord. And so I just thank you for the access we get through through Jesus to 